It's the Suncast Podcast, covering the Sun Conference and all its sports. What's up, Suncast Nation? It's your boy Manny here, bringing you another episode of Suncast as we are going to Review the midweek games of Sun Conference basketball. We're going to preview the weekend games as well. And we're also going to talk a little bit softball, baseball. Nothing too major on, on that front. You know, we're going to start with softball, with baseball. Just kind of giving you guys the schedule, what's been going on uh, for softball. I'm recording this Friday night, so we'll start there. Uh, Southeastern beat New College 7-1. to Georgia Gwinnett and Louisiana Christian, unfortunately, beat the Weber International Warriors. Ave did handle their doubleheader against Trinity Baptist 16-0 and then a 2-1 thrilling eighth-inning finish. Florida National picked up the victory over the Southeastern Fire 4-2. And then Palm Beach Atlantic, unfortunately, beat the Kaiser Seahawks 2-1. Look ahead at Saturday. Got a few good games. Coastal Georgia versus Georgetown. Weber International versus Truett McConnell, Ave versus Palm Beach Atlantic. We also have Florida Memorial against Polk State College. So a lot of good games going on for softball going into the weekend. Meanwhile, for baseball, looking back at Friday's action, Florida Memorial beat the New College of Florida Banyan 16-7. Southeastern handled Taylor University 5-0. The Warner doubleheader against Spring Arbor University is not up on the site right now. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to give you guys that outcome. Uh, New College did end up getting their rematch, though, and revenge against the Florida Royal Lions 6-3. And then Weber beats Mount Mercy University 5-3. And then looking at Saturday, we've got Ave in a doubleheader action against Willie, Texas. Florida Royal gets their gets another crack at the Banyans at 12 and at 3. Weber International has a doubleheader against Mount Mercy. And then Warner finishes up their little series against Spring Arbor University. A lot of good games going on for baseball and softball. If you guys are able to tune in sometime this weekend, definitely, definitely suggest that. As right now, it's not conference. But once conference starts, you know it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. What has been a lot of fun has been Sun Conference hoops. Because, my Lord, I don't think they can be any tighter than they are right now on both the men's and women's side. We're gonna stick with we're gonna start with the women's side, I should say. Update of the standings, like we always do. St. Thomas right now, the new number one in the conference at nine and two, followed by the Fire and Avi Maria Jirenes, who are tied at eight and three apiece. Southeastern is also receiving votes right now in the top twenty-five polls. Kaiser sitting by themselves in the fourth spot at seven and four. Weber by themselves at five and six and number number five in the conference. Warner rounds out the top six at four and seven, and then Florida Memorial two and nine, and Coastal Georgia one and ten. Looking back at the games from this past Wednesday night, we're going to start with the Coastal versus Kaiser matchup. I think that one was as clear cut as it, as it was going to be. Kaiser at home, they're very hard to beat at home. Three of the four quarters were 15 or well, 14 or above. They had 14 in the first, 24 in the second, 15 in the third, only had nine in the fourth, but they didn't really need that much because they had such a big lead. For Coastal, again, they've, they've, they've honestly put together some really good games these past few uh, weeks now. It's just, I feel like a little case of too little too late. I think if they would have started like this, a little bit earlier, we could have really seen them make a push for that sixth seed, but right now it is not looking very, very good for them. But they continue to fight, and who knows, they could play spoiler to someone in that top six who is trying to fight for their positioning right now. So even though their season might be coming to an end soon, 
that is not to say that they can still not have an impact when we look at the playoff seedings when that time does come in about a week or so. For the Seahawks, Taylor Jones, big game, double-double performance, 22 points, 11 rebounds. We also have Elena Schaefer, 10 points, 5 steals, a block, 9 assists, also chipped in 2 rebounds. Very, very good performance from her. You also have Zyara Jenkins off the bench, 12-point performance. Seahawks, again, they just did what they are supposed to do, handle business at home. I think one of the better teams at home for sure. So they put themselves in a good position now. Again, they're holding the number four spot, but as we're going to preview a little bit later, they could have some company or even could be moving up in certain aspects of it. Then we move over to the Florida Memorial versus Ave Maria Jirene's game. The Florida Memorial Lions lose this one to the Jirene's at home, 71-66, Ave, four quarters, all of them 15 or more points. The third quarter is really where I feel like the game kind of opened up for the Jirenes, even though they won every quarter except the fourth. The third quarter is where they lost it by the biggest margin of eight. And right now, even though the Florida Memorial Lions are, again, looking are on the outside, looking in right now in the playoffs, they still have a chance. It's going to take a lot of, uh, of things going their way, but they still have a chance. They just got obviously win out and then, like I said, hope that certain things fall their way. For the Jirenes, though, who right now are sitting good with a big matchup this, this coming weekend, or I should say tomorrow, Maria Coleman, 16 points, 9 rebounds, almost a double-double for her. Same thing for Kalina, for Colleen Shahan, 14-8. and eight. Jirenes, again, the depth has always been a big thing for them. That is what they're going to really be kind of holding their hat on and, and throwing out a lot of players who they feel can definitely contribute, even as for quick spurts. Sometimes those quick spurts could be the the difference in not just regular season games that matter so much when it comes to the seedings, but even playoff games. Again, it's a one-off situation. So if you can throw in someone deep in your rotation who gives you five to eight minutes and they win those five to eight minutes by even a score of three, that could be the difference when it's all said and done. Moving on now to the... I think the biggest game of the day, it was a battle for number one. I think some are even calling it a preview for the Sun Conference tournament. I'm definitely leaning towards that. Southeastern Fire at home versus the St. Thomas Bobcats. And this one was a big one. I was very curious to see from both teams. I think it was a good test for both teams. You know, in the first matchup, these two teams faced the Fire did not start the game very well. You know, the Bobcats got out early on them at home, but then the fire pulled it out in the end. This time around, though, it was a much closer game. I mean, first quarter ended 17-15. Second quarter, 21-21. Third quarter, 22-16. And fourth quarter, 19-22. It was about as nip and tuck as you could ask for. For two teams that were at the top of the conference, fighting for that number one spot, if the fire won this game, you pretty much could lock it up for them. The Bobcats, even though they won it and right now are in number one spot, I shall kind of talk about in a minute here, they still haven't locked it up because of the schedule that they have lined up to end the regular season. But looking at the teams, Martha Franco has been a Bobcat the past two years now, but I don't think I've ever seen her play as well as she's playing right now, especially offensively. She played all 40 minutes, folks. All 40 minutes, had 23 points, three steals, three assists, two rebounds. She has really been... I think the biggest surprise in the sense of I knew she was going to be an offensive threat. I did not see her coming out and just shooting 11 threes because that opens up so much for their offense. That opens up just the fact that even if she's not making them, she made four of 11, which is not a bad percentage per se, but just her taking those shots opens up so much more because now teams have to 
account for that. Yeah, you might go 0 for 3, but we've seen her going 0 for 6 in the first half, and then she hits three big ones in the second half and really opens up the, the scoring for them. She has really come in her own. She, I can see she's more confident. I can see she's more comfortable in the offense with a year under her belt. And now you pair her with someone like Brooke Bogats, who had 20 points and 13 rebounds, another 20 and 10 game for her with the rebound department. That backcourt is getting scared. And, and you know, I've been on record saying that I think uh, Samantha Pacheco and Jada Burgess are the best offensive backcourt in the conference. And, and I still stand by that. But the best backcourt in the conference might be down here in Miami Gardens because Martha Franklin and Brooke Bogats have been putting on an impressive performance all year. They've been pretty consistent. There have been certain times where one has played a little bit better than the other. But right now, going in the playoffs, I think they're both playing the best that they've been playing, the most consistent they've been playing. And now it's just about keeping that drive going. I'm really, really excited for what they're going to hopefully put out there once that time does come. You also have Paige McDonald, 14 points, six rebounds. The post presence for the Bobcats is going to be very, very important moving forward because that, I think, will be the deciding factor in a lot of games. We look at the rebounding department, 37 for them this game. Compare that to 32 for the Fire. That's big because the Fire are normally the bigger team, one of the bigger teams in the conference. When we talk about size, when we talk about ability to really control the, the glass, both, both sides of the ball. So if you're able to out-rebound the Fire at home, that's really, really a big thing for them. Someone else I really want to keep an eye on for the Bobcats, Camila Fayfield, 12 points off the bench. She's definitely snapped out of that slump that she had. Pretty much at the beginning of conference, if we're being honest. But since the second time around the sun, she has really stepped in. Four of nine shooting, four of eight from the three-point line. She continues to be a timely shot maker. You know, sometimes as as a good shooter, you, you're not necessarily going to get the touches you want or the touches that, that you can get. I mean, obviously, I'm sure she can shoot the ball a lot more. But sometimes it's not about how many you shoot, but when you shoot them, when you hit them. And she has really been the definition of that. You know, I even think about two games ago against Fort Memorial Lions. She had some big, big shots down the stretch there. Same thing against the Fire today. Or in this game, I should say. So I'm very excited the way the Bobcats are moving. To shoot the ball 43% from the three-point line on the road, massive. To shoot the ball 43% from the field on the road, massive. Free throw is definitely something I'm, I know Coach Walker wants to get a little bit better on. You know, 7 of 13 isn't bad, but if you're only going to shoot 13 attempts as a team, you definitely want to at least make 10. I think that that's probably the goal for that situation. And three points, again, that could be the difference when we're talking about some of these great, great teams in this conference right now. For the Fire, they didn't play a bad game. Like, there wasn't anything that you could necessarily point to. I mean, you look at the turnovers from both teams, 17 and 19. That's pretty high for, for the Fire, but the Bobcats kind of – made not didn't let turnovers be that much of a of a hindrance to the the fire look at the steel department eight and six credit to the bobcats again rebound i said said 32 7 there wasn't anything you look at and i was watching this game it was definitely the game of the day for me and what i saw was the bobcats came out very aggressive very strong out of the gate the fire respond feeding off that home crowd but the Bobcats just had more in them. They had more of a run in them. They they weathered the storm. You know, that, that I mentioned that a little bit on the men's side a few episodes ago with, with the the Bobcats and Lions. You know, the Lions threw the first punch in that game against the Bobcats. Well, in this game, the Bobcats threw the first punch and the fire responded in, honestly, in Southeastern fire fashion. But then the Bobcats shook, shook it off and threw another punch back at them. And I think that was what ultimately happened. You know, in, in basketball, I've always said it's a game of runs. And at this point, you have to expect the run coming, whether it's it's a specific player that's hot or the team starts hitting shots, like whatever it is, the run is going to come. 
It's just a matter of can you weather it? Can you control it? And then can you respond with one of your own? Most times in games like this, when two top teams are facing and you're talking about playoffs and on the line, it's about a team who really just has more of that run in them, who has this game. I think the best way to put it, honestly, is it was a player's game. You know, obviously the coaches, some of the top two coaches in the conference, I would say uh, that the teams themselves are going to be prepared. They, they At this point in conference, everybody knows what they're running. Everybody knows what they want to do. Everybody understands what to take away. So it's on the players. It's on the players to make plays. It's on the players to hit shots. It's on the players to be basketball players. And I think that's what we saw today. Two great teams kind of just duking it out. You know, who can make more plays? And the Bobcats made more plays, and they won the game. That's really what it came down to. Now, at the same time, this game was only a five-point game. It was only a five-point difference. So it wasn't like it was it was an easy game for the Bobcats at all. So just because you won this one, it was a big win on the road, it does not mean that this the next time these two teams face could not go the other way. So it was a good showing for the Bobcats, good showing for the Fire. Bobcats win this one, and that puts them in the number one spot. And then to round up the review for Wednesday, I think was an upset. And I'm going to say that. I think it was an upset. You know, unfortunate Reagan's not here to talk about it. I'm sure he would have been excited. But Weber, on the road, handles the Warner Royals and kind of takes a little bit more control of that fifth spot. 76-59, uh, Biggest takeaway, similar to the Royals on the Royals side, similar to what it was at the beginning of the year, sometimes the offense just kind of goes cold. Like, that's really what it is. You have two quarters where you have nine points. It's just not going to get it done, especially against a Weber team that, like I mentioned, they have our, they have the best back offensive backcourt in the conference. Jada Burgess, 17 points, nine rebounds. Samantha Pacheco, 16 points, four rebounds. And then you throw in eight assists for her. You also throw in Kyla Little, who had 18 points, that is the recipe for this, for success for the Weber Warriors. You also look at the turnover department, 11 and 10. If the Weber Warriors can keep their turnovers down, they're going to give themselves a really, really good chance of winning a lot more games than not. And then when they out-rebound opponents by 10, that's also going to help them because they, they they need to do that. They need to be able to control the rebound department. They're going to, not always, but they, they t- they're they going to have to be a, li- a little small side depending on, on matchups and, and whatnot, especially the way they like to play, where they like to play up and down. They definitely are going to need to rely on the depth. You know, I'm looking here and you you have your f- two, three, four, five, six players who play 20 or more minutes to be exact, 20, 21 or more minutes. That's going to be huge. You know, that's going to be about the rotation for most of these teams. You're going to have six to seven where you're locked in. These players are going to play. And you've got maybe one or two players fighting for that eighth man rotation, eighth person rotation that could, again, fluctuate. So that's really, you know, that could probably be their playoff rotation for the most part. I am curious seeing Jada Burgess come off the bench. I think that's going to be a very interesting wrinkle in their offense, you know, to bring in a spark plug, a a flat-out scorer, to come in and 17 points off the bench. That's really efficient work. On 6 of 13 shooting, she's one of the most efficient scorers in the conference. Always gets to the free throw line. That's another added element there, 5 of 6 for her. So I'm very excited for the Warriors. Again, we knew they were not going to be the bottom of the conference team. Like I, We all knew that. I knew that. Reagan knew that. I think the whole conference knew that. It was just a matter of getting the right pieces together, getting the right time under under their belt so that they could start putting wins together. And they have. Now they're sitting fifth in the conference. They have chances of moving up, you know, again, not only by doing what they need to do, but also some things could happen on the other side of the conference. Again, I consider this an upset. I, I do consider this an upset just because, at the time, I feel like the Warner Royals are playing better basketball, but sometimes it's not about it. Well, not sometimes, all the times. It's not about what you have done. It's what you're going to do in the moment. And in this moment, the Warriors on the road handle business, 
in pretty convincing fashion, honestly. And now they are rewarded with 500 basketball right now in the, in the conference. Look at the preview now for the women's side of things. Game of the day for me, before we go to the men's side, because that, that's going to take a minute for sure. And I, Game of the day for me is going to have to be Jireens and Bobcats. I think that's going to be a big one because Jireens are at home. Uh, it's, And I say this understanding that, you know, teams necessarily pick their schedule. But if we went by strength of schedule, I think the Bobcats have the toughest strength of schedule. No question about it. Because you have the Southeastern Fire, you have the Ave Maria Jireens, then you get the Kaiser Seahawks, and then you got the Weber Warriors. I said that from the first round in conference. I said, you're running through a gauntlet. I mean, a gauntlet. You just battled for the number one seed on the road. You now have to do it again the next game against the Jirenes. So the Jirenes win, like I mentioned, the, then the standings become nine and nine and three tied with the Bobcats, and the Jirenes could easily take that number one spot. And that's not even mentioning the Southeastern Fire when they play against the Coastal Georgia Mariners, which should be a win for the Fire. Now it's just everything's up in the air now. And then you got the Seahawks, or on the other side of that, who are going to be a top four team in the conference, and the Warriors who are going to be a playoff team. I don't think any team has the next four games lined up, or three games it might be. Yeah, next three games lined up that are going to be as tough as the Bobcats, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a double-edged sword. You know, it, you're going to be well-tested, well-prepared. Of the last four games in their schedule, counting the fire this past Wednesday, one was at home. That's going to be senior night next Wednesday against the Seahawks. They're going to have three road games, tough road games. But I think it's going to be good for them. It's also going to be on the flip side. You're going to be, you're going to go through the ringer, and it's going to it's going to be a lot to to save. The Bobcats can come out of this and win all four of these games, even go three and one in them. Like they're really that that's a great boost of confidence for them, and they can very well win out. They can very well do it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a tough test. I do have them winning this game. I think the Bobcats just have too much athleticism, too much speed, too much pace to their offense for the Jirenes to, to necessarily control it. I do think the inside of presence might be something to keep an eye on for the Jirenes side of things. I do think the Bobcats have to have to control Maria Coleman, who is about as lights out as you can ask for in this conference right now, shooting, I believe, like 40% from the three-point line. She just does not miss. It's not going to be an easy one. Again, at home, the Jirenes feed off that home crowd. They have already had some big wins at home in front of that home crowd. So they understand what they need to do. They're coming in on some good momentum. They're coming in feeling like they now have a chance to control the number one seed. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be a fun, fun one that if you guys are able to, to tune into, I completely, completely, completely recommend you do. But I still think the Bobcats come out on top. I think they're playing some of the best basketball. I think that last game was the best game of the season from a complete standpoint. And I'm excited for what they're going to do for an encore. Then we move on to the fire, Coastal Georgia. Like I said, I think that the fire are just having too much. I think they're going to want to avenge that loss to the Bobcats, even though, again, it wasn't a bad loss. Just one team had to win, one team had to lose. For Coastal, though, I don't know why, but if if, if you told me that they're going to get one game that some people aren't expecting, I don't know why I feel like it's this one. I, I don't know, and I know that's a shot in left field. I understand that. But they're just playing so well. They haven't won too often in the, in the last few games, just in the, again, I feel like they've been playing their best stretch of basketball of the season and it's going to pay off eventually. And something tells me it could be in this game very well because it's at home. It's against a team that they feel like they can really make a, a statement here. And I think the Mariners have a little bit of state of that. So I, I do have the fire in this one. 
but I don't want to be surprised if it's a little bit closer down the stretch than people might think. The sleeper game of the day for me is going to be Florida Memorial Weber. I think Weber, they need this one because this ne- the next game that I'll, I'll preview here could have some really interesting implications. I think the Warriors, again, adding new elements to their offense. Jada Burgess off the bench, really like that. I, I like that wrinkle. Uh, if the team dynamic, the depth continues to be as consistent as it was last game, even just similar to it, nothing that you need to necessarily replicate, just have that same identity of, yes, you know who you're going to be your leading scorers in Pacheco and Burgess, but who else can chip in and give you about 12 points, whether it's a starter, whether it's a bench player, who else can help control the rebounds, can handle the ball, the ball handling responsibilities, I should say. So I'm very excited to see what they can do and what they can muster up. It's going to be a road test. The Formula Alliance, again, they still have a chance to make the playoffs as the sixth seed, but they need to win out. So they're in playoff mode already. The Warriors, they're a little bit safer. They're, I wouldn't say they're they're an if. I think they're, they're not a lock, not an if. They're somewhere in between that because I think it takes a little bit more for them to fall out than, than necessarily other teams. So I think it's going to be a good test for both teams that are similar in the sense of both teams are looking, one team is looking to make the playoffs. The other team is looking to get ready for the playoffs. So it's going to be a good test for both. And, I, and I'm excited for it. I do think the Warriors come out on top. I think you get Burgess back. You bring her off the bench as a spark. You continue to mold some of these other players that are going to need to play some big roles and big minutes come postseason time. And these are the type of games on the road that you can really help with that experience for team for players who maybe aren't used to it or players who are new to it. The last game that I'm, we're going to pre- I'm gonna, I'm gonna preview here, uh, Seahawks Warner. I'm going to go with the upset here. I think the Royals are are gonna take this upset. I know it's not a popular take because the Seahawks are gonna be at home. I understand that. There's some people out there who are gonna be like, "There's no way," but just like I think there's going to be a game or two that that some of these teams are going to, are going to drop. I think this could be one of them. I think the Royals understand that they didn't play a full 40. I need them to play a full 40. I think that's the only way they beat the Seahawks. So if I look back at this box score and I see, oh, there's a single-digit quarter, all right, well, they didn't play the full 40. Like if, they, if the Warner Royals play a full 40, I think that they can beat the Seahawks. It'll be a close one, probably one possession, max two, but that would be the type of game that I see the Warner Royals winning. The Seahawks are not going to make it easy. Again, at home, they are a different team. They are a better team. And to be honest with you, I think they are the one team in the conference that needs that home court advantage a little bit more, or the most, I should say, because they are that good at home. And if you can win that first one in the playoffs, it sets you up moving forward. So I really think they are going to come into this one, come into the rest of the season, understanding that, especially if the Bobcats are able to beat the Jirenes, and now you're tied with Ave at 8-4, and four, Things get a little dicey. Things get a little interesting now. We're looking at tiebreakers. I don't think tiebreakers. I honestly don't remember the last time the tiebreakers have been this important when we're talking about Sun Conference basketball. I'm gonna stick with basketball. I was gonna say sports, but I'm gonna stick with basketball. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to see it again. Royals in the upset if they play a full forty. If they play thirty nine minutes, they're not gonna win this game. But if they play a full forty, I think they have enough to surprise the Seahawks. And pull it off on the on the road. It's, it's, it's going to be a tough one, though. It's going to be a tough one for sure. And now we turn our attention to the men's side of things. This men's conference has been the wild, wild west. And I honestly 
my brain hurts from just covering the men's side by itself, let alone the women's side. Because, and I say that with like the utmost, you know, privilege to be able to say that, that I know I'm covering the Sun Conference and, and, and helping Reagan and expanding it for all the athletes and, and all the programs. But good Lord, these teams just know how to put on a show. Like I've said it before, the first quarter of, of conference play, of conference games, amazing. The sequel, superb. The trilogy has been otherworldly. And now the fourth movie that's going to wrap it all up, I don't know if we're ready for it. I don't know if we're ready for it. Like, I really don't know. St. Thomas right now, and I think St. Thomas is probably the best representation of what the men's side has been. They started the season out 0-2. They're saying, like, oh, my God, what's kind of going on? How how are they going to figure it out? How are they going to fix it? We fast forward with three games left in the conference, and they are sitting by themselves. No tiebreaker, no nothing. They are sitting by themselves and the number one spot at 8-3 and three receiving votes again. The Lions, Jairines, and Seahawks. Three teams, two of which are receiving votes in the, in the Lions and the Jairines. They fell out of the top 25. All three of those teams are tied at 7-4. and four. The Weber Warriors and Southeastern Fire are tied at 5-6, and six, and the Warner Royals are 3-8 and eight with the Coastal Georgia Mariners at 2-9. and nine. All teams still have a chance to make the conference tournament. I repeat, all teams still have a chance to make the conference tournament. Again, on the if I had to break it down, obviously, I see the Bobcats. The Bobcats, Lions, Jirenes, and Seahawks are locked in. They're going to make the tournament. They can still fluctuate in the seedings, not just in those, not just within the four of them, but also with five and six. But they're, I would say they're, they're, they're locks. Weber and Southeastern, they are ifs. They are lowercase ifs, though. Like they're, they're, We're going to lean more towards them making the conference tournament than not. The Warner and Coastal Georgia teams, they're ifs but capital ifs. They are more likely to be out than in. Those last four, they're the ones that things could flip-flop a lot. A lot. Looking at these past games, we're going to start with Kaiser Coastal. Again, another great game by Coastal, but the Seahawks just had more. That first half, you, you're up 20. It really is going to take a, a similar situation for the Mariners to come back. They just didn't have it. They just fell short by seven. You look at Kaiser, Tyler Poindexter, eight, 20, 28 points. You also have Vincent, another double-double. Jonathan Paul, 10-6. and six. Calvin, 7-10 and 10 assists. The Seahawks just continue to, ro- to roll. You know, they're, they're a team to me that I think they're looking more of a of a dark horse. You know, I know that they had a, a spurt there where I really thought, like, they could be the, one of those two last two teams standing. I think they still have a chance for that, obviously. And, and this is more just kind of a quick run through of, of what I could see them in playoffs. I know Ray and I will really get into that once that time comes in about a week or two. I like them. I, I think they have a lot going for them. I think the shooting for them is going to be very important. You know, 11 of 20 in this game. I think they're going to have to shoot about that to, you know, 55% is a, is really high. Um, But when you're only shooting 20 attempts, that's not as as daunting. Shooting 56% from the field is really good. I think that they need to also have a good day at the free throw line. 81% is honestly something that I think that they need to do pretty consistently because a team like this with a small guard, you don't know how many times he's going to get certain calls. So when he does get to the free throw line, I mean, he only got to the line four times this game. Did did, uh, Calvin, I think he can definitely have games where he gets a lot of attempts, but I also think there's going to be games where he doesn't get that many attempts. Same thing for Vincent. You know, I think there's going to be games where Vincent, like this game, nine of 10 from the free throw line. But I feel like there's also going to be some games where he's going to get double teamed, and I don't know how many of those calls are going to go his way. So if they can take advantage of the free throw line when they do go, I think it's going to be very, very important for them. You don't want to leave three points at the charity stripe in the playoffs. 
for Coastal. Again, another good game. Four players, double figure scoring. Uh, Leighton Vion led everybody with 24 points, also had six rebounds. And you also had Sally Wilson, 14 and eight. You also had Caden MacArthur, 13 points. And then off the bench, you had Nick Giles with 13 as well. Nine assists for him. Is, I mean, they didn't play bad. And there's been so many times I feel like I've said that, not just this episode, but the entire season. A lot of these teams have not had bad days. There have been bad games by some teams throughout the playoff, throughout the season, which is understandable. It's it's a pretty daunting season when you're not just looking at conference, but you're also looking at the entirety. You know, when we started back in October and then in November. And again, the fact that there's no off days for men's or women's this conference time of year you're going to have lows. You're going to have a game where you just can't hit anything. You can't throw a rock into the ocean. You're going to have games where the referees aren't giving you certain calls. You're going to have games where it feels like everything's going against you. That's normal. But I honestly don't think there have been that many games for a lot of these teams. They've had maybe, I'd say each team's probably had two. You know, I give them two, and that's being generous. Honestly, I'd probably say one is for sure. Two is like, I mean, would you really call that a bad game? So it's another one. Coastal had a really good game, more so the second half. You know, they didn't have a bad first half, but they had a better second half. It just wasn't enough to make the comeback all the way through. Tough loss for them, but a big win for the Seahawks to stay in the hunt for the number two, possibly number one spot. Then you we look over to the other side of Warner and Weber. Another solid game. Weber takes this one, 76-63. They definitely needed this one because, you know, I mentioned they, they, they've had a little bit of a, of a struggle. Um, they're not putting it together. You know, they had their first conference win on the road last game. They, they now have... This big win, I've said it before, this team, when their backs are against the wall, they tend to respond. And, and that's very dangerous for when you're talking about them being a possible playoff matchup for some of these top teams. For them, Eden Holtz, 21 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. He's really, really, really turned a corner. Um, another game where you know, Tyron Nesby is going to be big for them come playoff time if he's able to come back. But if Holt continues to have the 40-minute master classes he's had right now and the efficiency has really been the thing for him, which, you know, it's a lot of pressure for him to, to be as efficient as he has been. But to his credit, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, 9-9 from the free throw line, 5-12 overall. Again, like I mentioned, 7 rebounds, 9 assists, only 3 turnovers and 2 steals. You know, that's a pretty good ratio to have um, from both the assist to turnover and the steal to turnover. Again, in 40 minutes, I only have three turnovers. That's that's very good for him for for anybody. They're gonna big their biggest thing is gonna again be the 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 help that he's gonna get. You know, 21 points is good. You know, he had a he had a 30 near 40 point performance a few games ago. He can have that performance, but he's not gonna have it regularly. So you're definitely gonna want to have games where Dante Sophie 13 points, Cooper Peterson 12 points, Jordan Golden 11 points. If you can have that kind of consistency from not just the other starters but also bench players, and it doesn't have to be points, rebounds a big thing for the the Warriors for sure. 36 to the Warner Royals 20. Like if you can out rebound a team that's got Logan West on it by 16 rebounds, uh, you're gonna be in pretty good good company. So I definitely like the way the Warriors are playing. They're a team right now that. Uh, these next three games, I think the margin of error is going to be very, very small for them just because of the low numbers of, of players they have right now. You know, they had eight in this game. It's been about what they've had the past few weeks. So it, it's a tough place to be, but they've proven to be able to do it. Again, when their backs are against the wall, they're one of those teams that, you know, I'm not going to say that they're the number one team in, in responding when their backs against the wall because everybody I feel like has done that at some point this season. But they've done it, I feel like, a lot more and in a lot bigger more pressure-filled moments. So I think they're going to have that that to lean back on when it comes to experience. For the Royals, 
tough loss, I think. You know, 16 points for Blaze, seven rebounds, five assists. He did a very good job. And Logan West, 14, two rebounds, did foul out of this game. That's a big, big note to have for sure. You also had two other players in Skylar Skull and Jonathan Joseph with four fouls, respectively. But like the, I feel like the Royals just kind of had a tough day getting some foul fouls called against them. Um, even though they got to the free throw line a few times, you know, 11 for 14, also not a good night shooting the ball, 4 for 22 from the three-point line. From the field overall, 24-54, not bad, it's 44%, but 4 of 22 from the three-point line is really going to hurt you, especially when the, the Warriors are shooting 10 of 23. Again, those two buckets, or excuse me, those six buckets are going to be big. So I think that that was really where the game was kind of won and lost, I would say. I think the shooting for sure from deep, and I think, I think that the Warriors just honestly wanted it a little bit more. Um, even though you look at the turnover department, 18 for the Warriors, 10 for the Warner Royals, you would hope that the Royals could definitely capitalize on that. I mean, they had 15 points off turnovers, but an eight turnover difference, I feel like that should be a little bit higher, especially for a team that, that can definitely run up and down and, and can really use their guard play to get open shots in transition, to get players to the rim, to get people involved. I think it was a, definitely a tough loss for sure, but another one where you kind of chalk it up to a situation where the Warriors had a really good day shooting. They had a really good day from from the from from deep. They had a really good day overall as a, as a team. But I still think it was gonna it is it is a very tough loss for for the Royals. Um, that I'm sure they would want back. Now we're gonna go to the other side of Southeastern St. Thomas. Another one at the Bobcats. There, they impressed me, man. Seven in a row now. I believe that's what we're at. They looked like a completely different team, man. I mean, a completely different team. And when you're talking about, they only played six players, six players, and you're able to win on the road. It's it's definitely a good thing. It's definitely something that some people might look at and be like, "Well, why are you only playing six players?" Like, is it sometimes, especially come playoff time? You're just going to ride with the five or six or seven that you are willing to, 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 to ride with. And this was one of those games. For whatever reason, I'm never going to question Coach Pat. I'm not going to question his decision. If he felt like all he needed was these six players to win this game, he's going to rock it out. And that's what it is. Milton, 38 minutes. Josh Taylor, 29 minutes. Daniel Girl, 36 minutes. By the way, Daniel Girl just performed his uh, flu game. Uh, know that he was a little under the weather, but that man... They call him Mr. Do-It-All for a reason. I mean, what a performance by you. You know, take a bow wherever you're at right now. Curious one, 35 minutes. Jordan Hernandez, 34 minutes. And Anthony Harris, 28 minutes. I mean, you don't have a player that plays under 28 minutes, but you still have everybody contribute offensively. And I promise you, there will not be another game this season where Jordan Hernandez goes zero points. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Over. That's not going to happen. All right, I promise you that will not happen. If anything, next game might be an explosion for him to really uh, balance that out. But you look uh, aside from him, 19, 18, 13, 11, and 11 for everybody else. You also had a double-double for Kyrgios Warren, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Great performance for Josh Taylor on, on, nine, on 9 of 17 shooting, 18 points. They just look like a different team, man. Like, like I could throw the numbers at you guys all day, but I just like the way they're playing. You know, I I, I kind of had my my Bobcat fan moment last last episode that I was on, and it's because I was waiting for a moment like this. Like I didn't want to jump the gun because I knew it was coming. I knew it was. They're just too good of a team to not be where they are right now, 
And like I said, at the beginning of the year, I had them winning the conference regular season title because I just like everything about them. It's not because I'm a Bobcat fan. It's because they have the talent to do it. They have the coaching staff to do it. And they're putting it all together at the right time. And a team that I'm going to talk about next might have put it together a little too early. But they're putting it together at the right time. And, and I'm very excited to see what they're doing. If they hold suit, again, they control their own destiny, just like the women's side do. If both Bobcat teams, both the Bobcat program wins out, they will be hosting both the men's and women's. I got to check when the last time that happened. I don't, it hasn't happened since I've been at St. Thomas. So at least in the last four years, it hasn't happened yet. That'll be a really big milestone for them and a big note for this Bobcat, you know, for the St. Thomas University and, and the trajectory they've, they've been going. I know some people have asked me, you know, can they go farther than last year and all this stuff? I'll be honest with you. If they win the conference championship, the regular season, to me, they've already gone farther than they did last year. Like, that's really what it is because that team last year did not win the conference tournament. That team last year finished third in the conference. Then once we get past that, I'll give my opinion on 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 when we talk about NAIA and, and that, that feels like so long, so far away, but it really isn't. But if they're able to win the conference racing title and if they're able to win the conference tournament, one of those or both, they will have gone farther to me than the last year's team. I don't care where they go in the NAI playoffs. I think that those winning one, one or both of those titles is a successful season. That's just my opinion. For the fire, though, at home, tough, tough one to swallow. I feel like, you know, you, you had the lead at half by one, but it definitely felt like the Bobcats were just a run away. Uh, in this game, Anthony Duncan, 19 points. Wouldn't make a name for himself. Six rebounds. You also had Reggie Mesador, 17, 4 and 4. Then you had off the bench, Makai Vessel, 11 and 8. I think you're seeing more and more against this Bobcat team. You're going to need to have at least four players in double figure scoring. Um, I know this game was only by six. But when you add that plus the fact that they only play six players, I think it speaks volume to the depth offensively. You also look at the shooting, 6 of 16 for the Fire, 6 of, six, six of 17 for the Bobcats. Free throws, pretty even, 8 11 for STU, 6 of 10 for SEU. The shooting overall, just, I mean, field goal-wise, overall-wise, it went to the Bobcats clearly 51% while the Fire at 45. But again, situation where 45 as a coach, you're probably taking that 9 out of 10 times, if not 10 out of 10 times. So it's really not something to, to, to hold your hat against. Another game, though, where you see the wing team actually have more turnovers, but then you look at that team that forced them more turnovers, only 10 points off turnovers. If you're able to force any team in the conference to 10 or more turnovers, you got to be able to translate that to at least 15 to 20 points. And depending on who it is, it could be even more. You got to capitalize on mistakes from the opponents, especially at home. Otherwise, you're not doing yourself any favors, I think. I think you're not, you're just not going to put your, you're not putting yourself in the right position to win the, win any games, but a home, road, no matter who you're playing. So I think that's going to be something that I look at moving forward. Who had the higher turnovers, but was that team that forced those higher turnovers able to capitalize in the transition game, in the second chance department, stuff like that, where they're able to really add, again, 10 to 20, 15 to 20 points. I feel like anybody in this conference can get off turnovers, but then they got to go out there and do it. It doesn't have to mean that they that they dominate it, but they, they have to at least win that if they're going to force more turnovers than their opponents. And then we go over to this, to the final pre, final uh, review before I give my previews for the men's side. I've been saying for about a, two weeks now, you know, I have the take in my bag. Zipper was open. I saw it. The, the take is now on the desk. It's on the desk. The, the Did they peak too early take it on the desk? 
Because this Jireen's team is now seven and three. They have now lost the Florida Memorial Lions twice. And I still don't think they did. I still don't think they did because you're still putting up 77 points. It's about the 80 point mark that I think that they are deadliest at. Again, I've said it before. I think, well, yeah, scoring 90 points is really hard to beat. It feels like whenever they do, the other team scores near that. So it's like, well, you're basically telling me that if we can get a few more possessions in our favor, a few more lucky bounces, we're probably going to beat you. But if you score 80, then I feel like that means the Jairene's defense was locked in. I'm also seeing a trend where, and and I think this this matchup right here is a perfect example of why I say the men's side more than the women's side is going gonna, is gonna to be more determined on playoff matchups. I don't know if come playoff time, the best team will win the conference tournament on the men's side. I think the best team who's ever playing the best will win on the women's side for the most part. For the men's side, though, I don't know if that can be the same thing because if you're the Jireens and let's say you finish third in the conference, you know, or second in the conference and your first playoff matchup against the Florida Memorial Lions, we can easily see that game going the Lions' way. It's happened twice now, at home and on the road. And both were in pretty deciding factors. I believe the first game was 60 to 80, somewhere in that ballpark, and this one was 77 to 88. So you you cannot tell me if you're a Jairene's fan that you're, oh, we're, we're comfortable with this matchup. Because clearly, for whatever reason, the Lions just are a bad matchup. That's why I say this playoffs for the men's side more than the women's side will be matchups. We've heard it before. Styles make fights. And this would be one that if we were, if it was a playoffs and you told me it's Jireen's Floor Memorial, I wouldn't even ask you where it's at. I'm saying I'm going Flomo. I'm getting, I'm going Flomo. A Bobcat fan is going to go Floor Memorial because they've proven it not once, but twice. And they put it, and they've proven it in pretty deciding factor. You look at this game. Look at the Floor Memorial lines. You have, Five players, six players, excuse me, double-figure scoring. You had Latavius Mitchell, 16 points, 10 rebounds, double-double for him. You had Felix Udale, 13 points, 12 rebounds, double-double for him. You also had Darius Ward, 12 points. You also had Chance Caruso, 10 points, also had eight assists for him. And then Miles Jordan Smart, 16, and Raheem Carter, 12. Six players, double-figure scoring. Two of them were 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 coming off the bench. For the Gyrenes, no surprise, you have six players in double-figure scoring, but 17 from, from Michael Klankis, uh, Jack with 13, Noreen with 10, Jalen with 14, and and Miles with 10. That's, and people know this now, that that's going to be what the Gyrenes do. You can pencil in about four of those players, for the most part, having 15-plus points. You know, you, you can do that. But I'm also noticing that that's really all that they've been doing the past few games. You know, outside of that, you had a combined 13 points from the other one, two, three, four players. I don't think that's going to get it done, not just against the Lions, which we've proved, it's proven it hasn't been able to be, get done, but against other teams in the conference. I like the Jairus team. I think they might, They, I think they're still one of the better scoring teams in the conference, but offense is a thing that we see it at the highest level we see it at any level it fluctuates it has day, it has good days it has bad days it's one of the most difficult things to predict because 
you can go off the numbers, but then all of a sudden things just flip. Like I said, if this was a matchup in the playoffs, I would pick the Lions. I would. But at the same time, if you told me, oh, the game happened and the Jairines went for 90 and the Lions couldn't buy a bucket, that's basketball. That's what I would say. Like, that's basketball. Because I could see the third matchup maybe going to Jairines' favor. You know, it's hard to beat a team once, twice, three times. Like, it's hard to beat them any, any number of times, no matter how many times you've played them. I always come back to it, and I said at the beginning of the year, the Jairines in one, one line can be live or die by the three-pointer. 12 for 40. It's 30% shooting for the Lions, 11 for 22. Almost half of the attempts, but of again, of those attempts, you made half of them. As the playoffs get closer and closer, and you're seeing it, it's not going to be about quantity. It's going to be about quality. If I'm shooting 22 threes and you're shooting 40, Yes, you are supposed to win that game if you make a good amount of them. But the Jirenes only made one more, but shot twice as much than the Lions. You credit the Lions, though. You credit them for not falling into the game of the Jirenes, which is let's get out, let's run, let's try and get buckets as fast as possible. I would say they're probably the only team that has tried to go against the gyrene effect that I've kind of coined here on Suncast. Some most teams try to do it with them, and most to be fair, I think the Lions understand that they aren't most teams. Like they they're not built like most teams where you you can do that. They understand they're gonna throw the ball inside. You know they're gonna try and win the rebound department. 44-43, they did win that department. Uh, the turnover department, twelve fourteen, they win that one. So they did what they needed to do in the aspects that they can control. You also look that they dominated the free throw department 11 for 24. To be honest though, I think they, because a team like that, like because a team, because of the team they are, and they're going to throw the ball inside, they're going to try and feed inside through players like Mitchell, like Felix, even Ward and, and Chance who are going to get in the paint as guards. You got to be able to knock down free throws. You're going to get 24 attempts. I'm going to need you to at least get 19 to 20 of them. I think, I think that's what they need to do because if you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a lot of games where you're gonna shoot 50% from the three-point line. It's just not the makeup of the team. You know, they can shoot. We've seen them get hot, but we've also seen them lose games because they couldn't get hot. But free throws are something you can control for the most part. So I definitely want to see them get that up. But like I was mentioning, the Jirenes, I don't think they peaked early. I know some people might be thinking that. My only thing is gonna be if they lose. And what I was saying at the beginning of the year before I wanted to pick them and jump and switch my picks and all this stuff, I want to see what happens when they run into an off night. I want to see what happens when the shots aren't falling. 12, of 12 for 40 tells me the shots weren't falling. But they kept going. Now I get it. That's the system. That's the team. That's how they've won seven games in conference. That's how they've won 18 games overall. I understand all that. But that doesn't mean that we can't shoot more than eight free throws for a team like this. that has so many shootings, so much weapons. If you can get to the free throw line, you're going to give yourself much more opportunities. You shot eight free throws. You're telling me as a team, they couldn't get to 15. And of those 15, let's say of those extra seven, let's say they make four, right? Let's say they make four. Now you add four more points on the board instead of 11-point loss. Now we're talking about a game that's seven-point difference with two minutes left. It's a different game. 
than a double-digit game with 10 minutes left. It's just a different game. So I feel like if they can if they can under if they can just unlock that, you know, take away a few less threes, work it inside, get to the free throw line, something else, then they're gonna continue to be a team that will be there for the end. And I think that's a perfect segue into the preview because this is that is my game of the day uh, as well for the men's side. It's gonna be St. Thomas and Ave because. For the Bobcats, just like I said, for the women's, they have the strongest strength of schedule left. They've got, they had the fire. They got the, well, in their case, they went from Florida Memorial to Southeastern, both on the road. Now they're going to Ave on the road. And they got Kaiser and they got Weber. Florida Memorial, playoff team. Southeastern, well, to be fair, every team in the, in, in the conference for the men's side is a playoff team because they all have chances. But Florida Memorial, a lock. Southeastern, a strong lock. Uh, Ave Maria, a lock. Kaiser, a lock. Weber, a strong lock. So it's like they're they're going through their playoffs right now. Like, to be honest with you, most of the men's side, when they go in the in the official postseason, they've already played these post teams twice. So it's like this is a, a third-time winner-take-all situation. And if you tell me that... The Bobcats beat the Lions at home by 30. They then go to Southeastern and win that game. And they go on the road to Ave Maria and win that one. I, if you, you know, we come on a Suncast next week, and if Reagan were to ask me, you taking the field of the Bobcats. I might have to lean to the Bobcats because look at the resume. A team that at the beginning of the conference slate, we were thinking, oh no, like what, what's going on here? They fall out of the top 25 and they've come roaring back. The adversity hit and they did not go away. They said, that's fine. We're learning. They learned how to in, introduce Anthony Harris to the, to the offense. They learned how to play with Josh Taylor. They're learning how to, how to get curious, worn touches and, and get them going on offense because we know he's going to give us on defense. The newest uh, record holder for most blocks in St. Thomas history, by the way. They're learning. They're learning on the fly, and that can be a dangerous thing. I feel like they still have a few things that they can unlock. I feel like they're still getting healthy. That's another thing. I think they're, I think they're, they're definitely getting getting some bodies back now. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the Bobcats, and you win this game, you really put yourself in such a good position just mentally. I feel like you, you, you start looking back at the beginning as if it was like, years ago and and that's such a dangerous thing for a team that now feels just different they just feel different when you watch them play for the gyrenes though that's a side where you lose that one if you lose this one at home after dropping that one to the lions you're now dropped the seven and five you're playing with some fire because the last thing you want to be is is limping in the playoffs. Like I'm, I'm just going to call it what it is. You know, I've been keeping it 100 with y'all all year. I'm going to keep it 100 again. You don't want to limp into the playoffs. Again, if you told me four teams are going to make it out of the six that are that are in the playoff positioning right now, I would say St. Thomas, Florida Royal, Ave Kaiser. Those are the four I would say. But if you told me which one I think would limp in, I think it would be the Ave Marie Gyrenes. Because 
you lose these two games, you put yourself really behind the eight ball in a in a situation where I would look at it as a must win in their next game, which would be against Weber. And we'll talk about we'll segue that into the Weber Floor Memorial game in a minute here. But quick thing, if Weber loses that game against the Lions, now you're talking about a Weber team at home, backs against the wall again. You don't want to verse that you don't want to play that team at home. You don't. You don't want to play them on their on their home court because they've proven that they can respond. And now we're talking about the Jabrins possibly being on a three-game losing streak going into postseason or going into the final two games. So I think the Jireens need this win. I unfortunately don't think they're going to get it. I think the Bobcats are just rolling. I think they're going too strong right now in the direction they need to be going. And to be honest, they are the one, they are the team in this matchup. If they lose, but if they lose in a situation where the Jireens just had a good night or or they last the second shot, if they play Bobcat basketball the way they've been playing, even in a loss, I'm still fine with that. Like I'm like, it happens. It happens. It's part of the season. It happens. So that's why I think the Jireens have a little bit more pressure on them because they can't afford to lose this game. They cannot. They cannot afford to lose. Not a must win, but they can't afford to lose it. That's for sure. Segue that into the Weber Flomo game. Florida Memorial, Weber. I'm going to go Flomo. I'm going to go Flomo just because, again, Weber, and, and to be fair, it's been kind of working in their favor, you know, having the low numbers. Um, I just think that they have the Lions have too much size. They have too much stuff, too much athleticism to throw at at Holt and at, at that point guard position. I just think it's too much, and it's going to catch up to them. I think if, this would have to be a team performance for the Warriors to win, which is why I say you're talking about an Ave Weber situation where both teams coming in on losses, but the Warriors are the ones that are going to be at home, and and I think could handle that situation. So again, the lines just too much to to. Physically, too much to handle for the Weber Warriors, unfortunately, and I see them pulling out that one. For Kaiser Warner, I think I'm going to stick with my women's side prediction. I'm going to go with the upset here. Uh, be a big upset. I think the Warner Royals need an upset, though. They, they, well, I, I don't think I know they need an upset to really get themselves into the conference slate of things because I don't see Southeastern losing to the Coastal Georgia Mariners. In that same breath, I think the like I said, if I since I have the Lions winning that one against the Weber, if Warner wins, they now are a game closer, I believe, if I'm doing my math correctly, because then they'll be five and seven. And then Warner will be four and eight. They'll be a half game closer. Or a full game closer, I should say. I always get those I always get that that math side confused a bit. But they'll be closer, in my point, to the Weber Warriors. And if they can get a situation, you know, tiebreakers, I think that's really where the Warner Royals are looking for right now. I think they need to have a situation where, honestly, I take it back because I I just remember they lost to the the Warriors last game. And even though I can't remember on top of my head who won the first matchup, best case, the 1-1 situation. So this head-to-head tiebreaker doesn't even matter. So... This is what I'm talking about. You, you rack your brain when you start thinking about scenarios. If you're a Warners fan, you probably want the Warriors to win, honestly. But again, I just don't see that happening. Long story short, I think the Royals win this one. I'm going with the upset 
just because if I look around the other the, the conference, I don't see that upset coming from anywhere else. And again, I say upset in relative to the standings. So, you know, the Bobcats beating the Jirens, that's not an upset because the Bobcats are more in the conference right now. Um, I would go Warriors and Lions, but again, like I mentioned, I just think the Lions have too much physically to throw at the Warriors who are undermanned right now. I don't think Coastal has enough. Although, now I'm thinking that myself, there are another teams been playing really good. Yeah, I'm going to flip that. 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 I'm going to go Coastal gets the upset. I think Kaiser will beat the Warner Royals. Sorry, Warner. I just think that the Seahawks have a little little bit more um, at home. I think they just have too many weapons. You know, the Seahawks have too many weapons to, to throw at the Royals. And we've seen the Royals offense again. They're they're not the best. They they thrive better in a slower, drag it out kind of style. And the Seahawks can play both. I don't think the Warner Royals necessarily play that fast pace. I know they've done it in the past, but I bank a little bit more on that going in the Seahawks' favor. For Coastal, I just it's another situation where they've been playing really, really good basketball. Similar to the women's side, they just haven't been able to win games. But this one could be the one that they do get at home. I like them. The Fire kind of. Tough loss last game. Again, not a bad game, but definitely feel like, definitely feel like they can play better. Maybe it lingers a little bit and the Mariners can kind of catch them early, get some confidence, and then get things rolling. But those are my picks for both the men's and women's side. Like I mentioned, folks, the first movie in conference, Masterpiece. Absolute cinema. The sequel, better than the first. Don't know how. The trilogy has been unstoppable and in about a week week and a half's time it'll be the climactic conclusion and this will be the best playoffs i think of the entire um basketball scene that i've been on the past four years and before i send you guys off into the weekend of softball baseball and basketball i want to say this this, this school year, for me, going back to fall, women's soccer, men's soccer, football, volleyball. Now, talking about winter and spring and, and, and all these sports, you know, individual sports as well, you know, swimming, tennis, all that stuff. I really believe that, and, and I want to give credit to all the teams in the conference. They've put the sun on the map. I think that they have turned heads. I think that they have really come out on the national side of been like, you know, for a long time, we knew, you know, when it comes to baseball, can't nobody touch us. Uh, when it comes to, to softball, we, we, we've been able to, to produce some great talent, men's soccer, same thing. But now every sport is there. You know, are we getting picks to, to bring home red banners? No, not yet, but we just brought one in football. We're, we've been bringing them in baseball. We're competing for them in men's soccer. We're getting teams there now in women's soccer. More teams, I should say, because there always have been teams, but more teams there. You know, basketball is looking like they're, 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 they're about to break through. They did last year, to be honest with you. Volleyball, not just St. Thomas, but Southeastern has always been, been, a, been a nice team on the come-up. Kaiser's always been a nice team on the come-up. Now, this year, I think 
you know, and again, I credit, I kind of did it last episode where I wanted to give the basketball teams and the programs the props. I thought about it and I'm like, honestly, the entire conference deserves their flowers because of what they've been able to do and make people realize, hey, that's some conference down south. They ain't no joke, man. They ain't no joke. No matter what sport you're talking about. Again, before certain sports, there ain't no joke. Other sports are like, that's a nice ride, you know, good, good, good conference for them, you know, but it wasn't going to go much. No, no, now we, we, we earn some respect here, you know. Multiple teams in the top 25, multiple teams receiving votes before season even starts, Most, multiple teams going far, and and when they go up against other conferences, they're, they're, they're battling with it. So just wanted to take a moment, you know, and, and I'm sure Reagan feels the same way, and we all do here at Suncast, and, and just thanking you guys for allowing us to cover this school year. You know, I know it's not over yet. You know, still, like I said, baseball is just starting, softball is just starting. You know, a, a lot of flag football across, a lot of these sports are just now starting, so we're excited to cover those for sure. But up to this point, definitely wanted to take a moment, you know, now with three of the, well, two of the three semester, two of the three uh, seasonal sports done or almost done now, you know, going from fall to winter and now heading into spring. We, I definitely want to take time and, and give everybody out there their flowers for just putting on an absolute awesome athletic season. And here's to the conclusion of basketball. Here's to the conclusion uh, or here's to the start of baseball, softball, lacrosse, and flag football. And here's to just a lot more fun things talking about. And Reagan, we're going to get back on together. The schedule will sync up soon. I promise, my guy. I promise. But until then, best of luck to all the teams this weekend, whether it's baseball, softball, or basketball. Thank you all for tuning into this episode. We'll be back, hopefully, together reagan i miss you i really do miss you buddy I'm, i really do i know you're doing your job right now and and ain't nothing come between you and that job but just know that i miss you man can't wait to get back on here with you hopefully we'll be back together next week talking about review talking about reviews talking about previews and getting ready um until then also want to give have a ha- have a happy weekend uh president's day weekend you know stay safe out there enjoy the time off from school and all that good stuff until then see y'all next week